Good morning, Crossroads. Would you join me in welcoming our Lexington campus? Now, Lexington, you're going to have to bear with us a little bit because we have something special here at the Park Avenue campus this weekend. This is one of my favorite weekends of the year. Uh, that we, what we do this week is called Student Takeover, and our students have been leading worship. Uh, what you don't see behind the scenes is our students are running all the tech, all the video. Um, our students, you hopefully saw our students greeting you on the way in. We had students in the parking team. Uh, they requested that we do valet this week, but we decided not to. Uh, we had students in the coffee house. We had students uh, working in our children's teams. Uh, one of the ones that doesn't get recognized a whole lot is we have a cooking team that cooks breakfast for all of our students in between services. So they not only cooked, but they cleaned up um, and served all of the other teams. And we have a photography team also that's snapping pictures around the church. So we, we have students plugged in all over the place. And it's just one of, one of my favorite weekends of the year. So... If you would, would you grab, a, grab your Bible? If you do not have a Bible, uh, there's a Bible available for you in the seat back in front of you. Um, if you do not own a Bible, take that one home. That one now is yours. We would love for you to have a copy of God's Word to engage uh, daily, uh, a chance to get into what God has to say to you, to learn about Him and to learn about His kingdom. So please take that with you. We are in Psalm 145, page 524. As you turn there, we are, we are in a series called Family Portrait, uh, and, and Pastor Dave has done an amazing job with, with uh, painting this picture, the, the Family Portrait uh, series, about how we are actually parts of, of three different families, part of God's family as his, as his children, as his sons and daughters. We've been adopted into God's family, and we are part of, of, of that grand, great family that one day will unite in praise of him. That we're also part of a church family. That we are connected to one another through the church body. And then also that we are connected as families at our homes. We have our individual families. And that's usually what we think of when we think of family. Last week, he spoke about marriage. And, and he, he painted a, a great picture. Actually, a scripture painted a great picture in the book of Ephesians. Comparing a marriage relationship to the, to the relationship between Christ and the church. How husbands are called to love their wives and give themselves up the way that Christ gave himself up for the church. And that, that wives are to love their husbands the way that, that the church loves Christ and submits to him. And, and it was just a it's, a, it's a great picture of what God, what God has done for us and what, the way that Christ connects to the church. Uh, next week, uh, Pastor Dave will be bringing the message about parenting uh, I don't want to steal his thunder. I do have a little bit of parenting in my message because my message is about generations, and that kind of fits with parenting. But parenting uh, will be next week. I would encourage you also, parents, to, to stop at the community's table on your way out and sign up for our parenting class. It's a, it's a great resource to help and a, a great way to connect to other parents and, and to share the, the blessing and the burden of raising children. So we are talking about generations this week. And since I'm the generations pastor, the irony there was not missed. I get to, I get to preach the message on generations. It's something that, that I'm very passionate about. But when you hear the word generations, what, do you, what is it that you think of? You know, could be like grandparents and, and, and parents and children, and you think of the generations within your family. But, but nowadays, 
We have, we have actually given specific names to generations based off of when you were born, and it groups you that way. So going back, they have named the generation for people born between 1910 and 1924 the greatest generation. Do we have any, any people from the greatest generation here? Uh, no, no. <laughs> And usually that, that's, that's what's happening. We're, we're starting to lose that generation. But that is the generation that went through the Great Depression. That is the generation that fought in World War II. That is that, that, that's where they got that name, the greatest generation. The silent generation was born between 1925 and 1942. Do we have any silent generation members? We have a few. We have a few, yes. How about baby boomers, 1943 to 1964? Yeah, there's a lot of those. That's why they were called the baby boomers, right? <laughs> How about Gen Xers? Come on, Gen Xers, that's me. Let's little little cheer here. Woo woo! All right, Gen X. That would be 1965 to 1976. <laughs> Maybe I'll give you the years first, then you can cheer. <laughs> Gen Y, also known as millennials, are 1977 to 1995. Where are millennials? Gen Z, 1996 to 2009. Where is Gen Z? Gen Z put us all to shame. <laughs> Alpha generation is the next generation. They gave, this is a new one. And they gave it the name Alpha generation. It's 2010 to the present. Do we have any Alpha generation? They're all back in that corner over there in the children's department, right? They have named them the Alpha generation. And I, I got a little weirded out about that because, you, you know, Alpha and Omega, that's a name, that's a name for God. But... I recognize why they called them the Alpha Generation. It's the first generation to totally be born in the new millennium. The first, the first generation that is solely the year 2000. So, you know, and, and while these dates do group us, you know, and we can kind of cheer for our years, and, and there are even some characteristics that unite us, it really doesn't define a generation. I mean, there are certainly things connecting us, but it's just, it's just kind of a label, because we're supposed to be interacting. Today, we are going to be talking about generations. Specifically, we're going to answer two questions. How do I impact another generation? And how am I influencing others? Those are the two questions. Because we are called, regardless of what generation we are in, we are called to be influencing other generations. And we usually think of parenting first. And that is definitely pouring into another generation, impacting another generation and influencing. If you are a parent of a very young child, you understand this influence. You probably spend your day doing one of three things, trying to keep them safe. I remember there was a day when my children were young where I think the only word I said the entire day was no. No, don't do that, no. Don't put your finger in the light socket, okay? All those things. We spend a lot of time trying to keep them safe. We spend a lot of time trying to teach them to care about other people. Don't hit Billy. That will hurt him. How would you feel if Billy hit you? We try to teach them to relate to others, to be caring. And when we deal with young children, the third thing that we spend a lot of time doing is trying to teach them not to be gross. 
you end up saying a lot of things you never thought you would say. For example, please stop eating the cat food. <laughs> or stop licking the doorknob. Or food should not be put up your nose. This is my personal favorite. Don't throw the remote control in the toilet. <laughs> a mother shared this one. Yes, you may stand on, me, on my back and pretend I'm a surfboard as long as you let me lay down for a few minutes. <laughs> and another one of my favorites. No, you may not put your feet in the mashed potatoes. Although that would be kind of fun, wouldn't it? That would be kind of neat. You see, it, it's easy to think of how parents are influencing young people young children, but do you realize that we are all influencing all the time? It's not just parents, but, but you are affecting other people all the time. Whether you intend to or not, you're having impact and influence. Let me give you an example. When I was a student, probably a, a freshman in high school, we went, we went to a potluck, and I was going through the line, and I, I got my plate, and I'm praying that there's some Kentucky Fried Chicken left, because that's always the hit of any potluck. And I'm going through the line, and I don't think there was any Kentucky Fried Chicken left, so I'm throwing some stuff here and there and whatever, and made my plate and went over and sat down. And my dad walked up behind me, and he said, did, did, you, did you hear that little boy behind you? And I'm like, no what, you, no, what are you talking about? Well, apparently this little boy was behind me in line, and he tugged on his dad's shirt and said, Dad, watch and see what he eats because I want to eat the same thing that he does. You know, and it's a cute story, but all of a sudden it hit me. You know, I was only 14 years old, but there's people influenced by what I'm doing. And, and there was nothing special. I mean, it wasn't like, hey, this is some super, I'm, I'm just a teenager. But because I was a teenager and he was probably six, he just... He, he looked at me and, and wanted to model what I was doing. Now, if he'll eat certain things because that's what I was eating, what else is he seeing? What else is he modeling? How, how else am I influencing? See, there are moments in our lives that can have significant impact, and we may never know it. Not so much about the eating, but let me, let me give you another example. My grandfather, actually my, my dad's side of the family, they owned two bowling alleys. They owned one in Crestline and one in Shelby. So my, my, my dad and my grandpa were working in Shelby, and my grandma and my uncle were working the one in Crestline one, one night. So my dad and my grandpa are behind the counter at the bowling alley. And uh, this guy comes up, and he's just, he's just fuming. He's just livid, and he's yelling, and I think the I don't remember the story exactly. I think the cause was they had raised the cost of bowling a game like a dime, maybe a quarter, and, and this guy was just, just livid, and he's, he's yelling, and he comes up to the counter, and, and he just won't stop, and he's relenting, and he's calling my grandfather names and using foul language and just it was just awful and my dad is standing there and he's 17 years old and he was kind of a hothead back then and he it's just boiling up in him he's ready to go over the counter and just deck this guy and he just won't stop he just won't stop and he, he he's just pushing and pushing and pushing and 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 he finally says something and he says well frank what do you say to that and my grandpa 
paused. And he took a breath, and he looked at him, and he said, Jim, I don't care what you say. I like you anyway. And he totally disarmed this guy. His rage just melted. He didn't know what, he didn't know what to do. And he totally just, it just melted. And my dad, who was, like I said, ready to just come over the counter and deck this guy, looked at my grandpa and, and, and gained that, gleaned some of that wisdom. And I tell you this because that's not like a major moment in life. It's not like a, a, a life or death situation, but I've heard my dad tell that story for 50 years. Well, I haven't because I'm not 50 years old. My dad has told that story for 50 years. You know, and, and sometimes the moments that we have in life have impact that will span generations. When I think of my grandpa, I think of that story. I wasn't even born yet, and I think of that story. You know, we have impact all the time, all kinds of situations. I'm sure when my grandpa said that, he wasn't thinking, you know what? I'll bet my grandson will share that in church someday. But you see, we have impact. That, that his generation had impact. We're always influencing, and we never know what moments God might use. So we are going to examine Scripture we're going to look at how we're going to look at that, that generational connection about how generations influence each other, about how generations impact each other. And let's take a look. I have uh, I have a problem. That's why you go with a backup. I have a lock screen on apparently. So let's look, take a look at what Scripture says about generations connected, about, about the interaction of generations. And we're going to be in Psalm 145. In your outlines, though, we have given you those words, but, but they're in three different colors. I don't know if you noticed that or not. And you may have to help me because I am colorblind. So um, I think the first set is red. Is that correct? The first set is red. So we're going to look through different parts of this psalm, Psalm 145, and just pick out specific words to address certain concepts. The first concept we want to we look at is, what is it that we're supposed to use to influence other generations? Look with me at verse 4. It says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Look at the red words. It says, your works and your mighty acts. These are the things that we're supposed to be teaching. Remember, you're always teaching. Whether you intend to or not, you're always teaching. You're always influencing. These are the things that we're supposed to be teaching, that we're supposed to be using as influence. The, the works of God, his mighty acts. Look at verse 5. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of your might, of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Talk about God's work, his awesome deeds, his greatness, his goodness, his righteousness. You know, those, those are the things that we're called to teach. Those are the things that we're called to influence. And remember, teaching doesn't necessarily mean talking. You can learn a lot. We, 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 we learn a lot by just watching. We pick up a lot just observing. Look at verses 11 and 12. David continues. 
It says, they shall speak of your glo- the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of men your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. The idea is that generations talk about the mighty works of God, the acts of God, what God has done. And this is not a new concept in Scripture. This, is, this has been going on before the days of David for generations and generations and generations. Let me give you a couple examples. First of all, in Exodus chapter 12, we're talking, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about the Passover. And what that was was when, when Israel was captive in Egypt and, and Pharaoh would not let the people go would not let the people of God leave. He would not let the people of Israel leave. And Moses was there, and, the, he, and God used Moses as his instrument to bring the plagues upon Egypt. And there were, there were many plagues, but, but the last plague was going to be uh, devastating to Egypt. And what God said was beforehand, he said to the Israelite people, he said, take a lamb and sacrifice the lamb. And take the blood of the lamb and smear it on your doorpost as a sign. And when the angel of death comes through Egypt, it will kill the firstborn in every house. Unless the blood of the lamb is on the doorpost, then it will pass over that house. Now, I want you to hear the word of God and how it, how it talks about remembering that event. As it, as it was occurring, this, th- these were the words that said, This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. few verses later in Exodus 12, it says, you shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say to them, it is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. It was instituted there was, a, there was a memorial instituted so that for generations on, that, that today we would still read about what God had done, his mighty acts, his mighty works. And it was established forever that we would celebrate Passover. Now, you might be thinking, we don't celebrate Passover. Yes, we do. Because we have a, we have a new Passover. Because we celebrate the blood of the Lamb delivering us from death. And that's an even mightier act of God. The Passover, the Passover was an amazing thing, but it was just foreshadowing the greatest event that was ever to take place, that Christ would sacrifice himself as the lamb for our sins to be taken away, for our forgiveness, for us to be restored. That's a mighty act of God. Let me give you another example. After the Israelite people had left Egypt, they wandered in the desert for 40 years because they had sinned against God. And when that generation had died and when Moses had died, Joshua became the leader. God appointed Joshua to lead the people of Israel. And his very first task as he led the people into the promised land was they had to cross the Jordan River. Now, I have not 
been to Israel. I have not seen the Jordan River. I've seen a little bit of video online, but um, actually there was someone after the nine o'clock service said, I was in the Jordan River two weeks ago, which was really cool. But they had to cross the Jordan River, which we have no point of reference, other than it says it was at flood stage. Now, I'm from Shelby, and we have the Black Fork River you know, it's more like a stream or a, a creek or I don't know what you would call it most of the time. But in my lifetime, I have seen that, I have seen that flood twice. And I cannot begin to imagine the power of the Jordan River at flood stage because I've seen the mighty black fork. But I'll tell you what, it is mighty when it floods. It's incredible, the power and the devastation that's there. And the Jordan was at flood stage and... Joshua steps up in the Israelite people. Now you got to remember, this is not the generation that went through the Red Sea. That, that generation was gone. This is the next generation. I'm sure they knew about the Red Sea, but, but here they are and they step up to the Jordan River. But here's the difference. When the people, part, when, when the people went through the Red Sea before that, Moses put the staff in and the waters parted and the, and the, the Israelite people marched through. Joshua and the people of Israel were told to step into the water. They didn't part the water. God didn't part the water and they marched through on dry land. He said, step into the water at flood stage. And as they did, as the, peop- as the leaders who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when they put their foot in the water, then the waters parted. And the waters parted and the Israelites passed through the Jordan And it was a new generation. It was a mighty act of God for a new generation. And after they had passed, Scripture tells us this from the book of Joshua, chapter 4. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. That this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So Joshua sent people to gather stones that were stuck at the bottom of the Jordan. They gathered them from, from where the Jordan had been had been flowing, they gathered these big rocks and they carried them out. And on the other side, they piled the, they piled the rocks. There were 12 of them, one for each tribe of Israel. And it was a marker, it was a monument, so that any time that the Israelite people walked past that spot, they were reminded of the great works that God had done. That's generational ministry. We still read and talk about that today. This book is full of the mighty acts of God. Well, what is it, you know, what is it that I'm supposed to share? You're supposed to, you're supposed to share what God has done, and this is full of what God has done. But he's done things way more important than parting the waters of the Red Sea. He's done things way more important than the parting of the Jordan River. He has taken 
you and I from death to life. He's taken us from destruction and given us a new home. He's taken us from being an orphan and given us a family. He has called us his own. He has saved us from our sin. He has given us grace. And that is a mighty act of God. And we, that, that is what we are called to share as well. We need to know scripture. We need to know what God has done. But we also need to be sharing what's happened in our lives. I've got one more from the Old Testament. It's from one of my favorite books, the book of Esther. I think I like Esther because it's a girl. And I have four daughters. And that just resonates with my family so well. In Esther, what was happening was the Jews were about to be annihilated as a people. An edict had gone out, and they were, they were a, there was a day set, and they were, a, they were going to annihilate the Jewish people that day. And God delivered the people of Israel through Queen Esther. He, he took a Jewish girl, and she was elevated to, the, to queen, the queen of the Persian Empire. And she used her influence. God used her and used her position. He used her specifically in that time, specifically for that purpose, to save the people of Israel. In Esther chapter 9, it says, The Jews firmly obligated themselves and their offspring and all who joined them, that without fail they would keep these two days according to what was written, and at the time appointed every year, that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation and every clan, province, and city, that these days of Purim should never fall into disuse among the Jews, nor should the commemoration of those days cease among their descendants. They said was, we need to remember what God has done. We need to remember that God delivered us. Do you know that Passover and Purim are still on the calendar to this day? That we still celebrate the mighty works of God. The cool thing about the book of Esther is they celebrate what God has done. And in no, no passage, no verse does it ever mention God. But it's so evident that he's at work. And they commemorate, they commemorate these days to, to remember what God had done. How God had saved them. We're supposed to remember the mighty works of God, and, and that's how we impact other generations. That's what we use to impact other generations, is the mighty acts of God. But, but now that we know what we're supposed to use to impact other generations, why are we supposed to impact other generations? And we're ready for the blue words. The blue words, if you look on your outline. Look with me at verse 3. This tells us why we are to share it says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. We're supposed to share because God is awesome. Because God does amazing things. But not only that, God is amazing. It says his greatness is unsearchable. That unsearchable word, I looked up the Hebrew word, and it actually just means not. I was like, what? Not? It means as not able. You're not able to understand the fullness of his greatness. It's beyond what you can comprehend. Let's continue in verse 8. The Lord is gracious and merciful. Amen, I'm so glad he is. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. This gives us a description of who God is, of his character. His love doesn't waver. We mess up and, and he still loves us. Look at verse 9. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. 
Verse 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. We serve a faithful God. We serve a God who is kind, a God who, who is looking out for what's best for you. Look at verse 14. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. Can you relate? Can you relate to being broken and God lifting you up? That's the God we serve. That's the God we love. That's the God that we praise, and that's the God that we talk about and teach about to, our other, to the other generations. Verse 15, the eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. We serve a God who not only created our world, but sustains our world. He gives us what we need. He gives us our daily bread. He gives us the things that, that we need. Sustains the whole world. Look at verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. He's good, he is righteous, he is faithful. Verse 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Have you ever cried out to the Lord? Have you ever cried out to the Lord in desperation? Here's the next question. Does anybody else know that you've cried out to the Lord in desperation? Does anybody else know about the answer God gave to you when you cried out to him in desperation? That's what generational ministry is about. Because the Lord is the one who answers those who call out to him. Look at verse 19. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cries and saves them. Verse 20. The Lord preserves all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. So we are called to teach about the mighty works of God. And the reason that we teach about those mighty works of God is because of the character of God, because of who God is. So our third question is, how are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to teach? And those are the orange or yellow words. Are they orange or yellow? Thank you, orange. I really am colorblind. It's, these look yellow to me. But this tells us how we're to do that. How is it that, how is it that we're supposed to impact? And I think sometimes when we think of generational ministry, we think of the older generation influencing the younger, and that is not what we are talking about. Here at Crossroads, we have made a change in our student ministry, that our high school students are no longer back in that corner during service, that they are, they are in here because we want them connected with the body. We want them connecting with you. We want this happening. We want you to see them worshiping. We want you to, to see them and the impact that God has had on their life, and we want them to see you, and see you worshiping, and see what God has done in your life. And that's why we've encouraged them to join serve teams, to get connected to you, to get connected to the body, so that we're not two places. We're not students and the body, but we are the body. So our students are now in here, our high school students are now in here with you for that very purpose. We love, we love them to see you worship. We love for them to see you and share about what Christ has done in your life. Let's look at the words from Psalm 145. It says, I will extol you, my God and my King, and bless your name forever. 
Extol, I had to look that one up. It means to exalt, to lift up, to put up on high. Verse two, every day I will bless and praise your name forever and ever. Verse four, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. It's one of my favorite verses. Generations, pastor, it says generations in there, right? But, but commend, I thought commend meant tell about, but that's not what it means. It means to sing praises, to laud, to lift up, to, to give highest honor. That we're to sing about what God has done. That we're to praise about, that we're, that we're to praise to the other generations about what God has done. Awesome passage of scripture. Verse five, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and all your works, I will meditate. We're looking at a lot of verbs here. This is how we, we work, this is how we influence generationally. Verse six, they shall speak of your might and your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. Verse seven, they shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. I wanna carve that on Ernesto's door. Ernesto's our worship pastor. Pour forth the fame. Sing aloud. Is this, a, is this a description of me? Is this a description of, of my life? That I am pouring forth the fame of God. That's what we're being called to here. This is how, this is how we share to generations about what God has done. Verse 10, and all your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. Verse 11, they shall speak of the glory of God and tell of your power. Verse 12, check this out. To make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. And lastly, verse 21, my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. I'm gonna show my age here a little bit. Back in the 80s, there was a public service commercial, public service announcement that would come on. It was a commercial, and there was this kid. He was in his room, and his dad came in, and he's carrying this box of drug paraphernalia that he had found. And they banter back and forth a little bit, and the dad's getting mad. And he's, you know, he's, how could you do this? And it got to the point where the dad says, who was it who showed you this? Who, what, where, who taught you how to do this? And the boy looked at the dad and he says, it was you, I learned from watching you. And there was a message in there, you know, that, that our children are watching us, but let's, let, let's, change the, let's change that from a negative to a positive. The people around you are learning from watching you. The people in your life are impacted. How awesome would it be that someone could say, I know Jesus, and I learned that from watching you. That's an awesome thing. That's the call that David is putting out here. We need to consider this. We need to look at this. Look at, take a, Take a time-lapse video in your head of, of your past 24 hours, of your past week, of your past month, of the past year. Is this, is, is this, what, is this what I'm putting out there? Am I lifting up the, am I, let me use the right words. Am I pouring forth the fame of God? 
That's, that's what God wants to do with your life. That's how God wants to use you. That's how God wants to impact others. That they may see what you're doing and give God glory. What are they learning from watching you? What are they learning from watching me? We've got one fill in the blank because I knew some of you just had to have one. It's a summary of everything we've talked about. It says, do we identify God at work? Do we identify God working in our lives? Do we identify what he's done, what he's doing, both in scripture and in our lives? Are, are we telling others about what God has done? Do I identify God at work, fathom who he is and what he has done? I love that word, fathom. It's, it's a deep understanding. We can never fully grasp the greatness of God, but it's a deep understanding. Do we fathom who he is and what he has done? And do we passionately express praise? Listen to the words. Some just, I'm just pulling words from Psalm 145. Mighty acts, awesome deeds, abundant goodness, great and gracious God, merciful, abounding in steadfast love and faithful. We are called to extol and praise and pour forth fame and sing aloud and make known. Whether we recognize it or not, we are always teaching. We are constantly teaching by modeling and modeling of what we say and what we do. The question isn't, do we teach? The question is, how do we teach? Scripture provides us with clear truth about how we're supposed to do this. We are called to passionately express praise and acknowledge God for who he is and what he has done. In a minute, I'm going to pray, and the worship team is going to come back up, and we are going to do one last worship song, one last opportunity to praise God. But I challenge you, I challenge you to praise God in a way that reflects what we've talked about in Psalm 145. I challenge you to, to worship God, not just in this song, not just in this church, but with your life in a way that brings him glory, that others look at us and see the awesomeness of our God, that we pour forth the fame, that we extol him in such a way. We commend praise in a way that would be known to other generations, that they would know who it is that we worship, the one who is worthy, the only one who is worthy, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful for, for your body, for your church, that we, can, that we can connect, that we can have a place for others to support and for us to support others, for a place where we can bond, for a place where we can come and praise and worship you. Lord, we want to to also recognize that this is a place where we impact others. That encourages us that when we walk out that door, that, that we also impact others as we leave. That we are always teaching, that we are always modeling. Lord, may we always be pouring forth your fame. May our lives be lives of praise that extol you. For our reason is clear. Your greatness is unsearchable. Your steadfast love and mercy abundant. And you have called us to be part of your family. 
Lord, we could sing forever about that. Lord, we are going to lift praise to you. We are going to give you, we are going to give you our best in the moments, in the hours, in the days, in the weeks to come. Lord, we want to lift high your name. Praise you well. Thank you, Lord, for, for all your mighty acts and all your mighty love. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen.